Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 380. And oh no, listeners, it's only just beginning. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Excited. We all got to see Avengers Infinity War this yeah. weekend, so uh, we're all caught up. And we are so not going to talk about no, Infinity War. No, we're not going to talk about it other than maybe just our, our impressions of it, but no spoilers whatsoever. Yes. It was good. It was really good. <laughs> I think it was good. <laughs> I think it was good. Is it still that, that processing? I'm still, yeah. yeah. It's been one that I've been mulling over ever since I saw it on Saturday. Yeah. But not a, I'm trying to decide whether I liked it or not mulling over. It's a just, you're in that continue, continual processing of the film. Partially I knew, because there's so much yeah, in it. I knew walking out of it that I loved it. I knew that I, as soon as I was done with the film, actually while I was doing, while I was enjoying the film, I knew I loved it. Uh, it was just a matter of coming out of there going, okay, now I have so much going on in there that I'm still processing. In fact, I'm thinking about going tomorrow night after work <laughs> for a second viewing, just... Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm I, kind of a glutton. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved it, too. I don't know that I'd want to watch it again. Oh, I do. Oh, I definitely do. Just because I know there's so much in there that I want to see. On, <laughs> if I uh, had it on DVD doing. right now or Blu-ray right now, I'd probably watch it a few more times this week. I think it's an amazingly paced film that doesn't feel that any of it's two and a half hours long. Equally balanced with humor and seriousness and then... Nothing felt forced. And Nothing felt shoehorned in. Because yeah. the, the, with the number of egos that are present in this movie and the sheer number of characters, it still feels very well balanced. Everybody has something to do. Everybody has a moment. Everybody's, you know, they, 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 all, they all contribute. Yeah. And it's all organic. It's not, like you said, nothing shoehorned in. Nothing. It's just an incredibly well-made movie. All right, enough said about Did you guys do anything else? I finished another new adventure novel. Oh, yeah, I saw your tweet about that. I read the new adventure. It's the eighth one of the series called Nightshade, and it is written by Mark Gaddis. How is it? It's like Arthur C. Clarke and Isaac Asimov sat down to write a Doctor Who novel, and Stephen King came along and said, I've got a few ideas. <laughs> I mean, it's that's a... That may be a perfect representation of Mark Gaddis' writing style. I watched... I watched a three-part documentary that Mark Gaddis uh, co-wrote and or he, yeah, he had some writing to do in it, but he also presented it. And it was about the different eras of, of horror films. And I think you and I talked yeah. about it a little bit. Did you watch it? Yeah, I did. So did, you did, know, it goes to like the, 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 the classic area, the more like 70s era and then the modern yeah. era. And he talks about the Hammer films. And so you kind of get a feel for how much of a horror fan he is. This particular... Uh, book is very much grounded in his love of horror movies. Hmm. It's it it it's it's really a horror story set in the Doctor Who universe, but so much fits within the universe itself because there's enough of that sci-fi element to it. It's a terrific, terrific read. I can't wait till we get to it. The way the book ends in this one is quite jarring and in, good, but jarring and interesting. But then I picked up. Uh, and started reading Love and War, and they've almost kind of ignored what happened at the end, but whatever, we'll, <laughs> I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. I was so excited about having read this book that I decided to go ahead and venture into the uh, Big Finish adaptation of it. It does sacrifice a lot of characters, and it kind of it actually blends a lot of the characters together in order to make a more concise, cohesive story, but equally as good. The, the one thing that I had slight issue with, it changes the end drastic the very very end of it drastically and mm. i was quite i was actually a little taken back by that at first then i thought coming from the perspective or the playground of 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 big finish you kind of had to go this way with it you kind of had to change the, the, the way things happened at the end of the book uh to fit in the big finish world i highly recommend <laughs> it i can't wait till we get to the new adventure stuff we watched victoria and abdul how was it it was pretty good it was an odd balance of somber and humor there was a decent amount of humor and then it kind of got serious as the movie went on it was it was quite enjoyable 
Judy Dench is phenomenal in it as Victoria. She is absolutely wonderful. You just lose Judy Dench and just see Victoria in this role. It is a fantastic acting performance. How about you, Sean? We took off and went to Wichita on Saturday and saw Weird Al Yankovic's, re, uh, what is it, ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour, <laughs> uh, which basically Al decided he, he the next tour he said, I'm not going to do parodies, I'm not going to do costume changes, I'm not going to do the video segments and the light show, and it's just going to be us, the band out here, and we're going to reach into the catalog and do deep tracks and all originals. Oh. And I was like, yes! And uh, went and didn't hear the three that I really wanted to hear. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, of all the tours, this was my one chance really, to, get, <laughs> to get this one, and I, I didn't get them. Not that that's bad. I mean, Al's always good. Um, and I realized uh, this is my fifth time seeing <laughs> <laughs> There must be something there. And uh, then, of course, the next day we got to see Infinity War in IMAX, which was pretty great. Keith, um, you want to move on to news? Sure. The latest uh, Fathom event has been announced. And what it's going it? to be Genesis of the Daleks in theaters. Ooh. However, Aww. <laughs> to celebrate the Blu-ray le- release... It will be a special director's cut. So it's not going to be the what's on DVD. Is there still a giant clam? Oh, I'm sure there is. Maybe there's more than the giant clam. Is the director's the, cut not what's on the Blu-ray then? I don't know. That doesn't say. It I just says it's a that special feature. Special director's cut either. seen for the first time. So I'm assuming you will then be able to pick up the Blu-ray and see the director's cut. In the but, same way that they've released the with enhanced visual effects and without. Right, right. This extended version will also feature In Conversation with Tom Baker, a newly recorded interview with the fourth doctor himself. Now are you going, Glenn? June nope. 11th. <laughs> now are you going, Glenn? Now, I'll tell you, the, the, the thing with the doctor who, I, I think it's a fantastic thing. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to undersell it because I think it's great. I think it keeps doctor who out there in the mainstream, especially gets classic Doctor Who back out there in the mainstream. Uh, it's always fun to go see Doctor Who, any Doctor Who material with a crowd, with a group of people, with a lot of people. Um, my thing is, though, is I've seen Genesis. I can watch Genesis anytime I want. I suspect the director's version will be on the Blu-ray set that's coming out. Uh, this will be upconverted on the big screen. Big screen, Doctor Who was never made for the big screen. So the, the allure is not there. Not that I'm saying it will look terrible on the big screen. I don't think it will. I think it'll look just fine. There's no allure for me to go see it on the big screen because it was never intended to be on the big screen, never saw it on the big screen. Um, that being said, uh, if the director's... The only thing that would lure me to it is if the director's cut is exclusive to the theaters. That's the only little thing that kind of would draw me to it. But I really suspect that, as you were saying, there will probably be a special feature on the D, on the Blu-ray set, so I can watch it in the comfort of my home. Comfort of my home, I can pause it, I can stop it. I've got a large screen TV. It's not cinema size by any stretch, but I can watch it in my own comfort of my home um, on my own with pretty much the same version. If it is, if it does have the director's version, so. It's, um, a, it's a cost thing, and too. And you can hide behind the couch. <laughs> it's a cost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no couches at the theater. It's well, a that cost. giant clam is scary. It's a cost thing, too, because they, they do... they. I mean, they have to make money off this, and I don't fault them for doing it, but they, they charge a lot of money for those Fathom events. Yeah. I mean, you, you pay near ticket prices, near blockbuster ticket prices for those events. Oh, more. And so, yeah. I, guess, I, I think well, they're, yeah. well, they're about 15 bucks. I think. Well, yeah, we saw Labyrinth last year, and I think it was eleven ninety five each. Oh, of course, we didn't get a matinee, or we didn't get a matinee. We didn't get a uh, um, discount version for the kids either. We had to pay straight across, but yeah. Um, so the the press release for the Blu-ray set had Genesis of the Daleks omnibus movie version. So I'm not sure if that's the same as the director's. Might be how they're marketing it to get people into theaters. Could be. Isn't that see. how they did them on? The VHS cassettes. They did some. They did some of those the VHS, and and they didn't recut them for the VHS. They would use the. I think it was the American Omnibus prints is what they would use. So. Which if pretty this much is just saying means never, cutting the credits and the right, recap out. Well, so. yeah, there, it was a little more than that, but yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
So hard, hard telling if it's the same or not. Yeah, yeah. Someone should go and watch it and then pick up the Blu-ray and let us know. <laughs> well, see, that, that's... Well, that'll be too late. <laughs> see, that's where it is. I'm torn because I would go see it just for the chance to be, not necessarily on the big screen, but a special director's cut with friends or like-minded individuals. I, I think that would be a cool environment. But then on the flip side of it, you go back to that expense. Well, I could pay $15 to go see it or I could put that $15 toward the Blu-ray set. Right, right. Not to mention when I went and saw, I think the only one that I saw in the theater was, um, I think I think saw a couple of them, but the, the one for sure I saw was Death in Heaven and, um, no, not Death in Heaven. Uh, what was the I one that introduced, that one though, too, the one that introduced Missy? Uh, yeah, Death Death in Heaven, Dark Water. That's it, yeah. Death in Heaven, when I went and saw Revealed Death in Heaven, when I saw Death in Heaven, Dark Water, there was maybe eight of us in the theater. Of course, I went to the later showing than the early one. And then I went and saw, uh, no, that must have been it because and then it also had the the uh, prequel to the following year's. Uh, um, was that uh, or no, you saw Magician's, Magician's Apprentice? Apprentice source, um, no, Magician's Apprentice. I did not see those. I saw. I saw and I saw Death in Heaven. You and, saw the Cybermen. Yeah, I okay. saw that and then got the prequel to the following season, which was the because they they put it in theaters. In anticipation of the new season, oh, okay, right? It was right ahead of of when the new season. Because I saw, we saw it. I think at TopCon is where we saw, yeah, uh, yeah. Magician's Apprentice. And oh, yeah, no, but you it, saw another one. You went. You went. You've gone twice, but oh wait, I saw uh, was it the fiftieth. Well, no, I, that, I did three. not see. I did not see the fiftieth. I, I guarantee I did not. But I think I did see um, the. I didn't go with you. I went. I didn't, didn't you go with us? No, no I didn't. three of us went to. Uh, no, I land. watched it. To, no, no, not at screen. He didn't go to screen. No, didn't I watched. No, I no, watched it, it at like... my parents' house that weekend. Oh. Uh, no, I did see uh, the, the one with the big oversized dinosaur, the Capaldi's Deep first one. Deep breath. Deep breath. I did see Deep breath in the theater. That's right. Again, smattering of people. I mean, how come I can eight, remember but... the ones that you went to, but not the ones that you weren't present with me at? Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure you were there. At the no, I didn't. I didn't go to that one. I was. I sat and watched it at home. With my family. Well, you missed out. That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> well, especially in the I, theater, like I that. enjoyed it on TV. <laughs> in other news, Candy Jar Books has announced that uh, after the unfortunate and unavoidable delay, the new and unusual, the new unusual, will be released on May eighth, exclusively from the Candy Jar Web Store. So that does put it before. I believe the man from yesterday is already out. You're trying to determine if that comes out before our schedule. It, it does, yeah, it does it put it out before our schedule. So let's just go ahead and make schedule. that announcement now that we're going to go ahead and replace man from yesterday on the schedule with new and usual since it will be out before then so that we can review them in the quote-unquote preferred order. Chronological. Chronological. chronological order. Well, the preferred order that Andy and Glenn have <laughs> is chronological because apparently my chronological does not matter. Because <laughs> your chronological yours, isn't. Yours was release order, not chronological order. No, I was talking Marvel. But <laughs> oh yeah, no, yours doesn't count. Although, although having having gone back now, and that's release order. Sat all yeah. of them in what I thought was chronological. I wouldn't do them in that order. I, I would still <laughs> switch it up. But mm. I think I figured out the chronology of those. So well, next time you do it, you'll have to go watch Captain Marvel after um, uh, Captain America. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we got feedback. We got two bits of feedback. First up, Ben. Feedback sent last week. No song? Hey guys. Not much new here. Still convalescing here at home. Getting to where I think I can pick a book back up and actually keep it keep up with the words on the paper. I still haven't started back though. When I do, I will be continuing my read of of Authority by John Vandermeer. This is book two of the Southern Reach trilogy. Book one, of course, was Annihilation, which recently graced theaters. Moving along, I have continued my TV movie watching. To that end, I finally got around to Hidden Figures. I received that as a gift shortly after it was released, and it sat around gathering dust. Not for any real reason, mind you. I just ne was never in the mood for it. Now I wish I had been. It was fantastic. 
I also finally got to Blade Runner 2049. After seeing it, say, I can safely say that I really wish I had folks here to go see movies with like that with. In my house, I'm the only one who's in the films like this. Hence, I never got to see I never get to see them until they are released for home viewing. Blade Runner 2049 would have been one of these one for the big screen. I liked it a lot. Moving along, I started another streaming service TV show, this time Philip K. Dick's uh, Electric Dreams, airing on Amazon Prime Video. This is a 10-episode series of self-contained stories. I am through five episodes so far, but I like it. It's trippy and mind-warpy for sure. Each episode is self-contained and has loads of big stars jammed into them. Harking back to last week's feedback, I recently celebrated a birthday. As part of that, the wife got me an Amazon gift card so that I could get some of the items out of my wish list on there. Of One of those items was an action dolly set of Doctor Who figures. This set included the fourth Doctor, the Decayed Master, and D84. I, if I am completely honest, I got this set solely for D84. I also got a bunch of Blu-ray movies and at the same time, none of which was over nine ninety nine. In fact, I got Kroll for five ninety nine. That's a score. And lastly, we went and saw Infinity War Friday night. We got to use the handicap seating since I am rocking a a bleeping scooter. <laughs> the theater that could accommodate me was a. The 3D IMAX one. I can't say that 3D was awesome for this one. I can't. I also can't say that I loved this movie. I liked it an awful lot, though. I didn't leave the theater feeling like it was the greatest movie ever. I think that was actually, and I think that actually works in its favor. All too often, I feel that way about a movie moments after it's over. Later, though, I invariably start to pick at it, and my enthusiasm for whatever movie it is starts to wane. If Infinity Wars, in Infinity Wars' case, I may not have have had that immediate reaction to it, but neither have I, upon reflection, had anything to pick at. I'm left feeling contentment. Also, that this is a movie I will rewatch again many times when it is released on Blu-ray. I think perhaps my love is also muted due to the fact that this is the first part of the story. At any rate, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I hope that you all did as well. Take care, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Glad to hear that you are convalescing well and getting better. Yes. Hopefully you're able to pick up some books soon. Up next is Chrissy. One head is better than three. Just watched Keeper Truck and wanted to get my feedback in for your review of that story while still fresh in my mind. Dear Vortex Boys, that was a little prologue that she had to it. Dear Vortex Boys, I've still been listening to the podcast, but haven't had much in the way of things to say and feedback, so I've just been enjoying listening to reviews. But this trilogy, oh yes, I have things to say. The Keeper of Trocken. This is not the first time I've watched this story, but my biggest regret with this one is that I'd watched it after I'd seen all of Peter Davidson's run. Thus, I kept expecting Tremas to be revealed as the master and the real villain behind the story, and... Nope. He's just a good leader for Trocken, a loving husband and father to Cassia and Nyssa, and a true ally to the Doctor. Which, if you think about it, he's a loving husband to Cassia and father to Nyssa. I read that completely wrong. That's a little better. It was kind of weird there for a minute. <laughs> Which, if you think about it, makes this story such a huge tragedy. One, they never really touch on the rest of Nyssa's time on Doctor Who, not to mention all the time she encountered the Master after this. I mean, how would you feel constantly meeting up with someone who took over the body of someone you loved and suddenly their face belongs to someone to be feared? But it never comes up in the TV episodes, ever. I think Big Finish deals with it. I know Nyssa talks about it with Tegan in at least one novel, Fear of the Dark by Trevor Baxendale, in case anyone's interested, but never on TV. Sigh. Oh well, missed opportunity. Anyway, back to the story. It's actually pretty solid. The writing is great, the plot is interesting, the characters are fun to watch. Even with the classic Doctor Who trope of the Doctor being mistaken for the bad guy and everyone suspicious of him, it works here. Because Crispy Master has engineered this whole scenario <laughs> to turn the consoles of Trocken, except for Tremus, against him. I even feel bad for Cassia, even though she kind of walks into the situation and almost brings it upon herself. 
All she did was feel sorry for the Melker in its prison, even though it was evil and probably deserved to be imprisoned. There's a lot of great backstory to this, now that I think about it. I'd love to have a book, or even a chapter of a book, about the lore and traditions of Trocken. Just from one televised story about one planet, I'm intrigued. This story is that good. It doesn't hurt that Nyssa is one of my favorite characters, and I would love to learn more about her homeworld. I will freely admit that I might not be so interested in this if she didn't become a companion later. But I will say this. It's not like I'm super eager to know more about Azarius. That's Adric's home planet for those keeping score at home. The rest of the story is fairly straightforward, but it's no less interesting. Even though it's a lot of politics and pompous people in velvet robes talking about super important stuff, it never feels boring or like it goes on too long. There were times where I thought a conversation or chase was about to overstay its welcome, but then the story would switch to something else, like Nissa and Adric sneaking into the grove, or the Doctor and Tremus doing something. It's very well paced and everyone gets something to do. And I didn't feel like I'd sat and watched a whole two-hour Doctor Who story. Even Alex seemed like he was entertained, even though he had no idea what was going on. It's hard to keep an eight-month-old's attention on anything. Mostly he just played with his toys. But he did like the opening and closing titles. <laughs> I think he liked the Starfield flying by on the screen. Of course, we could talk about the production values and some of the makeup and costuming. Cassie's evil red eyes painted on her eyelids, just an example. Eh, that's the BBC. They work with what they have. But this is one of those Doctor Who stories where if you discount it because of production values, you're missing out on a really great story that has an impact on future stories and episodes, even though it doesn't seem like it as you're watching it. It's a hidden gem of Doctor Who, and one I constantly count as a favorite of mine. Now that I've gushed over it, I'm interested to know your guys' thoughts. If you liked it as much as I do, or if you find any major plot holes or problems that I just ignore because I'm so enthralled. Talk to you soon. Thanks for all you do. Chrissy. So Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Good to hear from you again. She brings up an interesting point in that you're kind of in the same boat as her. You've seen, with the exception of one, you've seen all of Peter Davidson's stuff before you got to Trocken. Is your reaction the same as hers? We'll find out after our synopsis. Okay, then. The Keeper of Trocken. Trocken is a planet ruled by the all-powerful Keeper, who reigns for a thousand years and ensures that his subjects live a life of tranquility and harmony free from the forces of evil and corruption. Now the Keeper is dying. Summoned by the alien Keeper, the Doctor and Adric discover that not all is well on Trocken. An evil presence threatens the future of the planet. An evil that knows all about the Doctor. Bum, bum, bum. So, okay. To answer your question, Sean. Going into it, because Anthony Ainley plays Tremos, I don't trust... Tremos the entire time not necessarily because at time at first I thought it was because it was the master in disguise and then once I kind of realized it wasn't and it was actually this character that the master is eventually going to body snatch I still didn't trust him because it's Anthony Ailey and I automatically default to he's the master he's not to be trusted so having the gut punch of Tremos getting killed at the end and being taken over by the master who magically didn't need to shave. <laughs> uh, I, f- I think lost a little something in the storytelling for me. However, the rest of it I, I, I really enjoyed. Okay. I, I enjoyed the road of it. The Chrissy... Oh, I, I agree with a lot of the points Chrissy brings up that the society is fascinating. <laughs> I absolutely loved in like part one where the, the young console is so confused as to what's going on and just keeps saying, what is happening? I, I just found that hilarious. Um, but all of the characters were, I thought, interesting and enjoyed the politics of this planet and seeing the master manipulate everyone into the position he wants and just almost succeed if it weren't for the uh, him succumbing to his own ego at the very last moments of wanting to show off for the doctor had he not done that he would have succeeded mm-hmm. and I, th- I think that was just fascinating to watch of course i knew well, i realized it was a tardis fairly early on at first when it landed it, it the, the voice sounded familiar once they had um whatever the statue was the melker the melka talking i thought the voice sounded a little familiar so i thought wow, that's a weird shape for the master to be in, but all right. 
And then as it went further, I realized, oh, it's his TARDIS. And then I could hear more of the Jeffrey Beavers, right? Yeah. His delivery of the Master, and even with the effect they put on through the Melka, is so fantastic. Oh, <laughs> he was probably my favorite part of the entire story. I mean, his Boris Karloff delivery of the Master. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's... <laughs> And part of that, part of my enjoyment of it is because of his stuff with Big Finish where he's done the master. And he's so delightfully evil that it's, <laughs> he embraces that almost campy cheesiness of the master and really goes with it. And I really like that. Well, I will apologize then that um, I, I, I robbed you of uh, of a fantastic reveal because <laughs> at the time it was pretty like, holy crap. Yeah, it's one heck of a uh, story cliffhanger to end on. It's kind of like, whoa! You don't... Especially since you think the Master is defeated by the, that point. Mm-hmm. It's quite the emotional... Well, it should be the emotional whole. It's interesting, too, that you point out that the Master would have won. And that it's... Except for his hubris. Because normally, with the Master's MO, it's him partnering up with an alien and then right. getting betrayed and he doesn't have that i mean i guess he he technically has uh um cassia but he doesn't get betrayed but, but that's more just because he's, well, he's corrupted her he's he, yeah he's her. utilizing he's her instead of yeah. teaming up with her yeah. um and so there, there isn't any any obstacle you know from that that's going to stand in his way other than the doctor other than the well but even then the doctor seems this is one that i, I have the a doctor bit of shows up with. as a foil though I mean, ultimately, shows up as a foil. Yeah. Um, but there's, yeah, there, there's no insurmountable obstruction besides that. For me, I... Insurmountable. Did I say insurmountable? Insurmountable. Yes. They're all sounding the same. For me, the doctor <laughs> is, I mean, obviously he's the foil, but he, he shows up and he's very passive. He's very secondary to the events that are unfolding, whether it's the politics of Trocken or the Melka. He, he, he's not quite It's not until the out. Melka becomes Keeper that he really takes action of, we got to do something. Yeah, it's, it's far late he's trying to prevent four. trying to prevent Melka from, from becoming Keeper once he realizes that's what Melka's trying to do. And then trying to undo Melka becoming Keeper once that happens. And that's really the main thrust of the Doctor's actions through most of it. And he's... Very slow in the upkeep with it that it's the master. Oh, yeah. He, he does not figure it out until the master basically tells him. Until he you reveals know. himself when he walks into the TARDIS. When, when he when he finally, you know, ta-da, and then the doctor's like, ah. Yeah, the, the doctor's very reactionary in most of the story, even beyond the fact that the when he realizes that the milk is, is trying to become the keeper, the doctor's very reactionary through this whole thing. And... and it keeps you. It kind of keeps you as a viewer early on on your toes, um, trying to kind of figure out. I mean, you you know what's going on. You know that Cassie is being manipulated because we see her being manipulated mm-hmm. by the Melka. But you don't know what the end game is, and you're kind of. I think you, you kind of foresee the goal, but you don't necessarily know how they're going to get there, and so it's very reactionary on the Doctor's part, which is sometimes. I mean, it's happened before, but it's not usual for for the doctor. He's usually a little more, uh, a little less reactive and a little more proactive, and so it, it it's a little offsetting in this story. And, and especially for the fourth doctor, he has his occasional moments where he has that ah, I've made a very terrible mistake, and he realizes it, and he's telling you that he's made that mistake, and then he springs into this man of action mode, and he never gets there in this one. He he's 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 just on his back foot through the whole thing. And I can't decide if that's because that's the way this particular episode is written, which I think would be an interesting choice for the Doctor. Or, as I've always taken it, it feels more like Tom's on his way out. He's kind of sleepwalking his way through this one a little bit. He's not really invested in the conversation with Adric on the TARDIS. The Keeper shows up, and he's like, Oh, hi. What's up? You know, you say, and he's convinced, have I been there before? And we get this weird bit of business with him digging through journals, trying to decide whether or not he's actually been to Trocken or not, which ultimately doesn't matter. Just little things like that kind of, I don't know, it pulls me out of it. Ultimately, it's Adric and Nyssa that kind of 
end up thwarting the plans yeah. by you know throwing a spanner in the works essentially. And yeah, so, it's the doctor's idea, but yeah, then Adric but it's, it's, and, and it's, this were the ones that, that implemented. Yeah. So. so, and and Tremus is is an interesting one because he's I, I, again I feel bad because he's such a great character. He, he's one of those insta allies that you, yeah. you, you you kind of do rally behind, and he's willing to give the doctor the benefit of the doubt, even though same thing, even knowing that he's a good guy. I see Anthony Ainley. <laughs> And even knowing the master would never wear a, a disguise that ridiculous. I mean, come on. <laughs> that, that transparent. That hair, that beard? No. It didn't matter. Still had trouble with it. It's all these years later, still have trouble with it. So th- th- I think that's I, I, that to me is a, a credit to Ainley's performance as the master. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, he's there. It's, it's just the... It's really just Tom that I kind of come down with. And I feel bad saying that, but it just... You, he, well, you know what I liked in it? Adric. Yeah, he's great in this story. He's actually useful and not annoying. <laughs> As opposed to, yeah, I'd like to be a vampire. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you all the secrets of the time ship we arrived in. Yeah, <laughs> and him and Nissa work had a nice chemistry together, and everything they did. I was kind of surprised Nissa didn't have a bigger role, considering she becomes a companion. But knowing partially what ha- what's to come. I mean, it makes sense of why Nessa winds up being the companion, even though she didn't have a big role in her first first story. Well, she doesn't even leave leave with them in this one either, which is right. interesting. Yeah, and I'll be honest. Ultimately, that, that surprised me. Oh, you didn't. I you had just forgotten, you had forgotten that, about that. that yeah, that, and and I'll be honest. I'm still not sure. I remember how. Obviously, we'll find out next week. But um, I don't remember necessarily how she winds it's, up. It's quick. The, she's transported to Legopolis. By somebody. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to Legopolis. Um, but I agree. I, like Chrissy, I agree with everything she said. I, a lot of times you watch a Doctor Who and we get bogged down in the politics of the planet and you're kind of going, oh, for the people, you know, hurry up, come on, get This one, for some reason, I'm not. I'm very intrigued with well, the mechanics cons- of how Trocken works. Considering you start with a 10-minute info dump... For what this planet society is like. I mean, I think I looked at the timer. It was 10 minutes long of the Keeper explaining the society. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still enthralled by it. It's a pretty strong testament to the society a, they built. Such a bizarre storytelling choice to do it that way, where the Keeper activates the view screen, and then we go into this footage with a voiceover, and it's like, are you going to do that through the whole thing? Are we? Gonna... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's very different for, for Doctor Who to, to do it that way. But it worked. For me, this story that I love this story. I think it's 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 cleverly written. It's it's really well done. Um, the idea of a pacifist planet that has a keeper that oversees and 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 encourages life and harmony. And the first thing that you know, the first engagement with the doctor is is the old keeper asking the doctor to come to Traka because there's a problem. And so I, I like that. It's 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 a time where the doctor's. Call, the doctor doesn't bump, you know, doesn't stumble upon this situation. The doctor's actually called to the situation, which is kind of different uh, from a lot of times, uh, especially with Tom. <laughs> kind of just stumbles into action, with the yeah. exception of his first series where the Time Lords kind of send him on his, yeah. his missions. Um, but this is one of those stories that I like a lot, and I, I, I. Quite frankly, don't remember it well enough from the first time I watched it when I was a kid to know what my reaction was. It other than I was surprised <clears throat> by the master, although at that time I didn't know much about the master other than his appearance in Deadly Assassin. So to me, it was a surprise that he showed back up just from that perspective of he he had just been dispatched in the Deadly Assassin. Um, and no explanation of how he came back. Yeah, no explanation <laughs> again. Um, I like Je- uh, Jeffrey Beaver's portrayal of Crispy Master better than I like uh, Peter Pratt's pr- uh, portrayal. I also like the makeup being a lot better. I- I'm glad yeah. they went with more of a, a, a natural look as opposed to the bug-eyed mask. So am I the only one that misses the ping-pong ball eyes? Yes. You are the only one that misses the ping-pong ball eyes. I mean, I, know, I mean, no disrespect to Jeffrey Beaver's. As a kid, I didn't like it. It's like, why did they change this? I, I knew that. You know, Why did they change that? He doesn't look right. Is he getting better? I don't know. It just, he does look like he's getting better. I'll I don't think I thought much about it back then. But again, I can't remember too much of my first viewing. 
the problem with this story is it, it to me its rewatchability starts to waver because while I think the the mechanicians of the of the master and the clever writing of this this different kind of society it gets a little bit old and then to throw in the fact that there's only about three different recognizable sets that they continue to rotate through with the exception of the stuff you see on the TARDIS and then a couple of shots inside the master stars it, it, it seems to bounce back to the same trap not trapping same locations so much that to me it gets a little bogged down. I, I guess I get tiresome of seeing the same locations through the whole story. And it, it, it frequently happens. You do have a, a few different areas, but we're in the, the sanctum. We're outside the sanctum. Or we're in the courtyard. That's pretty much the, the... See, I had the exact opposite thought watching it this week. I, I, I for, for a show that's obviously very limited on its budget, I thought the, the, the garden looked great the the courtyard it looks good don't get me wrong but but it's, but, but it's, just the it's, fact that we did continue you're right we continue to bounce back and forth between the garden the courtyard the council chambers that hallway <laughs> yeah i forgot about the hallway the one hallway tree, tree, i had to give the hallway tremus's quarters yeah. technically it was a jail cell but it's an extension of the hallway yeah. and then um the the source room the source rooms of the under, under that's the, what i meant yeah the, yeah under the under the sanctum and it um i don't know i just felt like for not having a very big budget, they really, I felt they made a really great use of I think the sets the look good, don't and, get me wrong. It just, it, yeah. it, it seemed, it, it's, I guess it, there's not a big change though. It's all the same style. It's, it's all the same look. Oh, okay. it's all that the, that's, that's what I mean is it, it really feels like all this. And not to its discredit because the first or second time watching through it, it that's okay. I'm fine with that because I'm so engrossed in the story. It just, it, to me, each time that I see it and, there's no surprises now. There's no, I mean, it. it I, I still am along for a ride of, of, of a very good story and some good performances. But every time I watch it, I get a little less interested in it. Mm, I find okay. myself being distracted, doing other things. Um, whereas there are certain Doctor Who uh, stories, and maybe it's because I've seen Trock enough times that I, I, I feel like I'm retreading it each time. Um, there are certain stories that I'll watch with bated breath over and over and over again and never get tired of the story this is one of those ones that i think i've now gotten to the point where i'm a bit tired of the story i still recognize how great of a story it is i still love it from the first several times i've seen it it's just getting there i i was kind of excited that we were getting ready to do this again because i thought okay it's been a while since i've seen truck and i've been i've held off on truck and because even when i was kind of popping in and rewatching things i knew we would be doing soon I stayed away from this one, knowing that we're, this was an end goal, and I thought I'll I'll play along, I'll play we're, with the we're, game. We're now in the end game. Uh, yeah, the end game. <laughs> I uh, I decided that uh, I'd wait, and so and I went back to it, and still my mind would wander, and I'd be, and then I'd go, oh yeah, we're here, you know. So it's it's just one of those stories where it's I like it, it's good. I really like Nissa as a character, especially in this one. I love her introduction. I think it's 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 a great introduction for a character, and it's a tragic introduction mm-hmm. for a character especially a character that's about to be your uh, companion coming along at the time you don't know that when you first see it um but from in you know in retrospect then you look back and you go oh this is this is too bad um but other than that you know i i, I recognize it for the quality of story it is but it's it's one of those ones that i just can't go back and watch over and over again i can see that and i think maybe because as a kid watching it I remember not understanding. A lot I, yeah, of it I didn't kid. understand a lot of it. I, the, the politics were boring. I didn't get it. Um, the Melker scared me. <laughs> so I never thought that Melker was very menacing. Just the fact that it's a statue. I think it kind of goes back. It's almost like Weeping Angel it's in a that it's a statue. Moves. But then all of a sudden it moved. But you don't see it. Well, yeah, you do. You do, you do the, see, you see it the head move. turn, yeah, and then do. you see it out in the courtyard. Well, in the glowing and kind of, eyes, I think the glowing eyes are very. Yeah. And I, 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 I think the very, pro- Chrissy mentioned the production values. I think the production values of this are fantastic. Oh, I think the production yeah. values. Even, I, even I the no, uh, I, the makeup on the yeah. eyes no, to, I can't to do that. I, I thought that was really cool. Like when she first did it, and they flashed to the eyes, you have that gut reaction of ah, oh, really good. But then. There, I don't know what it is. There's something about the shape of her face and the shape of the way they did the eyes. And then when they start to glow, it's like, that is a creepy, cool effect. And yeah. I commented on yeah, it. No, and I Mel like was that. sitting there doing something else. And she looked up and went, ooh, yeah, that's cool. So, I mean, you know, she commented on it. And James commented on it as well when we watched it. So it's just, I think it's a very striking effect. Well, there's like a lot of great things to say about it. Yeah, I, I would agree. But I think with the Melker in particular, his design, the fact that he's not symmetrical with the weird kind of 
slope to the mm-hmm. visor. Mm-hmm. I think that adds a little something to it's an off-putting. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's 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 a it's a dissonance that's mm-hmm. there. That's mm-hmm. that's really. And as a kid, I picked I up on that. that. I can see that. Um, I picked up on the master, and that why doesn't he have the ping pong ball eyes? <laughs> um, but other than that, that's really kind of all I remember. Uh, as a kid and it's not one that I've gone back to because I've kind of held that memory for a while and I've seen it I think this is probably only my third go round so I'm kind of having the reverse of it I totally understand where you're coming from that you're you're kind of tired of the story but because I've been so sparing in my watches of it I think it's one that it's kind of enhancing for me now if I get to the point where oh yeah, I've seen it 10 times then yeah I think it'll probably I'll, I'll peak and then and then fall back off of it um, because unfortunately as Chrissy pointed out we don't get really enough backstory we know yeah it's weird that for all these all these times that well, we are for the 10 minutes we, we were like oh boy you know here, here comes the politics of planet but x that being but this said, one i want more of it that being said though that's what i thought primeval did the big finish story yeah. primeval did mounds of service to this story by giving you a lot because it's actually set as a prequel to that with nissa showing up many years in the past but it's her, her future um, I thought that was very, very cleverly done, and really kind of set up the the, uh, uh, the 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 things that are necessary to understand the society of truck. And I thought that was a, yeah. a clever, clever, clever thing for Big. So you should go back and re-listen. I, Prime I think Evil. I should. Yeah. Yeah, you really just, just should. to kind of get that added little oh, as opposed to watching it the way that we did it. <laughs> Once because maybe I'll enjoy Marissa, Prime Evil a bit more. Uh, Nissa's returning, but not realizing she's returned to. Tar- uh, Trocken, if I remember correctly, or not knowing that she's returned to Trocken, which was made it even more interesting. I think Cassie is another one of those interesting ones that she starts off, unlike so many of the the, the who villains that are. <clears throat> she's not really a villain. Well, she, uh, protagonist, she's, well, antagonist. She is the. She, no, no, no. You're right. She is the antagonist of this. Well, she, she, yeah. <laughs> She's used it. She's used it well, but but she, for selfish reasons, she's about to be married to uh, Tramus, and she doesn't want him to become seeker because he'll be taken away. So there's this there's this selfish motivation, but she's not she's not out to, to right. sabotage that's, that's it. What makes she's it just she's just laying out her emotions to to um, uh, the milker. Milker, yeah, I can't remember that name ever. And the milker. the milker understand knows those and is able to manipulate those that's why it's so, right exactly that's why it's so and that's why it's interesting because she's not set up she's not set out to be the antagonist she ends up being an unwilling antagonist right. and that's what i like about that yeah that's what's really interesting about her because you're right she she's very much just i mean yes it's selfish i don't want him to become keeper because he'll be taken away from me but she wouldn't take action on her own necessarily. And no, no, I right. don't think she would. I think she would just be. You she know, was just complaining, and she would be happy for how many you know she months be, or years. She of would marriage complain, they had. but she'd be compliant. Yeah. yeah, and then she would let him go, and that would be or the complicit. End of it. I should say. But watching her get manipulated and becoming this kind of tragic victim yeah. of, of the Melker, and how she goes from well, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? To go here do and she becomes that embodiment of the evil queen basically right. where she's now okay i have seized power i'm gonna run yeah. with it again she's though being manipulated by the milker at that point right. as well or at least you get the impression she is and and well definitely or at least then, under the control then the irony control, of yeah. is is everything that she's done is to prevent her and tremas from being broken apart and then she's put in the position of now needing to become keeper herself right which is the, the exact same goal that would have happened. I mean, it's the exact opposite. It's of what same she result. Wanted. Same result yeah. is that, that they are now separated. But she's also been twisted into this. Oh, guess what? <laughs> He's now taken over you, right? And you've given him the doorway to it, which you didn't realize was going to happen. I think that's a very cool uh, twist on the. Uh, you know, unlike you, you get people like um, Zoanan. What was his name? The priest in the in Hand of Fear, oh, or Face uh, of Evil. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Because he's he's kind of in that same he's you know worshiping this higher power right, than manu- him, or he's been but being manipulated to yeah. uh, by by to a certain extent as well. So, but I, I I thought she's a really cool, interesting character, and I feel for Tremus, even though it's Anthony. <laughs> yeah, because he's the smartest man in the room, and yet so clueless. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I still don't think I understand the source. <laughs> By the time I get to the third go-around, the fact that the Keeper has this power over... The, everybody's going to live in harmony because I said I will so. it to yeah, be. I will it to be, but it's not mind control. Okay. I, I don't even it's think... It's just kind of there. It's, I think it's more of a, a, a god figure, I think is what it boils down to, is that's the imagery that's supposed to invoke, is that it's... Things are well because of this mystical being that's been chosen from society. I mean, every so many years, the, the, the one is retired, the new one becomes the keeper. I think it's more of a, a religious godhead type figure. It's not like he's forcing, because they, they have the committee yeah. that, that kind of... It's um, it's like a guidance. I, I, I guess maybe the Pope is what I would liken him to, is that they maybe take their guidance from him not necessarily he's not directing them to do it but i mean there's a little bit of more of an omnipresence element to it I see, yeah i got i got the impression that it was almost like elevated him to a guardian level yes where guardian. he has That's abilities to you know protect his citizens to make sure that it is peaceful and happy. there you go and, I, and, I would and, agree with that and tied in how with that, that works i don't understand well, i think it, tied but, in with that what? is probably more uh, one of his influences is on the 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 planetary system itself that the, the the doctor speaks of uh, the eye of harmony as being this very peaceful you know something to do with the ionization of the atmosphere. well he probably has that kind of influence yeah, he brings that, science into it <laughs> well no because be, he does no he brings yeah, science be, into because it, yeah. i i don't think he's religious i don't no, i don't look no, at him no. as a pope because the people of trocken are very science-based and even though they have the trappings of this ritual where we have to choose a new keeper every thousand years and he takes over I don't think they worship him at all. No, I, mean, I think I, they're, they're very I guess I mean, uh, pragmatic symbolic. about that. Yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah. that's true. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, I just I just kind of have to. That's what I've chalked it up to is that he's he's like Einstein and the Pope melded together. <laughs> Pope Einstein. He shows up. He gives an address. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. He disappears in his chair. That's the end of it. Uh, anything else on this one? I don't think so. so uh, do, 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 do you get the grandfather clock reference now? <laughs> I've gotten that for have a while. You, have you? Yeah. We spoiled that for you too somehow along the line. He had a grandfather clock in Deadly uh, Assassin. No, he had a grandfather clock in... No, I think uh, he's right. I think he did have a grandfather clock in Deadly Assassin. Is that what he escaped in? Yeah. I didn't think it was a grandfather clock, but it must have been. Because his face was up there. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. I know he had a grandfather clock in... Um, the King's, King's Demons. Demons. Yeah, that's, my that's first the one I remember. Okay. That's the one I remember it from. But you're right. I think it, the Deadliest Assassin. I don't. I, I, for some reason, I can't picture his Tardis. In. I thought we had watched it's one in that green said, setting. I thought you had said, "Why is the <laughs> Master's Tardis a, a clock?" And I knew from this one is where I remembered it from. But if you're, I think you're right. Now that you have said it, it's it's Deadly Assassin, which is earlier. So. This is just following suit because they had the prop still. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Demelka the whole time until up until that point. So that's another thing that I would I'd be kind of curious. Was he sent to Trocken and and actually lived out a thousand years in his decayed state as punishment for what he attempted to do on uh, on on? Oh, Galfrey that would be that fascinating to learn. His, yeah. his escape wasn't really an escape. He's laughing, thinking, "Ha, oh, look at me! I got away." Wait, what are you doing? Why am I? And the controls all seized up and <laughs> planted in a garden. I like it. Head cannon accepted. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go, Keith. Trocken. Yay. Didn't quite go as I expected. The planet was still there at the end of the story. So, <laughs> looking to see what happens in Legopolis. Oh, I'm not. Which, yes, dear readers, dear listeners, dear followers, that's next on the list. We will be watching Legopolis this week and then reviewing it as our podcast. And I have not seen Legopolis since it aired on PBS oh so long ago. I'll make sure to have some Kleenexes for you. I, I've got people coming over to help me watch it, really. That's good. I'm going I'm to hold hands. and <laughs> <laughs> That's the real reason he's put off watching it, all this. It really is. Oh, it was an Iron Maiden in uh, King's Demon is what I'm, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I, 
I like it's one that when they would get through the you know because they'd replay them all right and I'd flip and see what you know oh okay I'll watch this one and w- when I saw it was Legop nope and I would turn it off so I've <laughs> never gone back and rewatched because I know that moment's coming and it Tom may think prepared it's prepared for. for but I'm not prepared <laughs> for it at all no 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 but that's next week so you can listen to me you have a week to prepare Sean I, well less than <laughs> less than I like Legopolis but. Not because the doctor dies, but because the Legopolis ideas gets real trippy, and I want to I want to know what you guys think of that. <laughs> well, that's the, the, that's true. Maybe I'll maybe the story will wow me this time out, and I'll be maybe you know. I don't, oh. I don't know if there's any wowing about the story, but it's, well, but as a kid to watch it and not get it and then it, be traumatized by it, <laughs> it's it starts off trippy, it gets really kind of cool, and then and then there's a chase. <laughs> that's all I'll say. <laughs> I remember there was a lot of math. No, it starts off cool, gets trippy, then there's a chase. That's what it was. Uh, guess who? Somebody shows up too. Get another, get another companion. Yeah, that's a lot of math. <laughs> that's all I remember. All right, Sean, what we got coming time. up on the schedule? Well, we've already mentioned that we've got Legopolis. Legopolis. Well, I'm already. Stop rubbing salt in the wound, Glenn. <laughs> what do we have beyond Legopolis? Castrovalva. Oh, yeah. How fitting. More salt in the wound from my point of view <laughs> and a new doctor shows yeah. up but i i think that and as with most things in retrospect i'm i'm kind of looking as much as i hate it i'm also kind of looking forward to castrovalva to now that, <laughs> now that i've grown to appreciate peter davidson so much more and and and, and even matthew waterhouse to, to see where things wind up going even though i know where they wind up going but having lived through it once <laughs> and and that's another one didn't go back so this is this, in a way it's kind of all new territory for me <laughs> so and then we'll talk regeneration after that and get Keith's opinion once he finally sees the final pieces of the puzzle yes very good anything we need to uh, discuss before we close this week I don't think so if that's gonna do it until next week I'm Glenn I'm Sean I'm Keith cheers good night everybody be seeing ya and thanks for listening been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.